Wonderful. Praise God. Well, God is here. God is with us. Amen. Um, I want to just share with you um, something just for a few moments, and we're going to dive into some more worship and some more prayer. Um, Just before Christmas, I had a dream, Um, and I'm not one kind of for lots of prophetic dreams. I probably only had maybe a handful in my life, but um, uh, this one was, was real clear, and it was actually... Um, for a church that I'm going to in, um, in America in the spring. Uh, but I don't know if anyone else does this, but if anyone gives me a prophetic word for someone else, and it's a good one, um, I'll say I, I'll have that as well. I'll get kind of the rebound. So um, I just wanted to, I'm going to kind of unpackage this a little bit more um, in coming weeks. Um, and, but I just wanted to share this real briefly because it's going to lead into uh, just some vision stuff that's coming up over the next month, and then we're going to go into prayer. Um, but I, I was preaching in the dream in this church in America, and I went into into the sanctuary, and um, all the people were kind of sat there like you're sat there right now, kind of waiting for the meeting to begin. And the pastor said, um, we've had some work done on the building. Um, let me show you what's happened. And he showed me... Um, the wall, I, I, this is quite a tall church building that I've been to before. And the wall had been taken out and it had been replaced by a huge window. So from uh, floor to ceiling, there was no wall, just a window that was looking out. But there was a black drape um, that, was, that was over the window. Um, so I said, okay, that's nice, good, good job. Um, and then went into the meeting, sat down, and uh, the pastor got up and he said, um, We've got a speaker here who's going to come to preach. But before he preaches, there's a young lady here who's got a prophetic word for us. And in the dream, I saw this young woman, kind of with long blonde hair, get up behind the pulpit. And all she said was this, the windows of Noah's Ark are opening. And the moment she said that, two, well, three things happened simultaneously. The first one was that the drape that was covering the window just fell and hit the floor. The second one was that the shaft of light uh, just fell on the congregation. And the third thing was that there was this wave of prayer and intercession that came up from every person in the congregation. Some of them were on their faces, some of them were on their knees, some were shouting out, some were in tears, some were just groaning. But it was like waves and waves of prayer and intercession coming from the people. Well, the pastor kind of didn't really know what to do, so he handed the microphone over to me and said, "Uh, you better preach. But as I stood up behind the pulpit, the noise of people praying was so loud that I had to put the microphone down and just say, this is just a prayer meeting now. Um, And as I said, I'll unpackage this a little bit more in the future, but what I felt was just a couple of things really briefly. I felt that that the window speaks of vision. And so um, if you think of a wall, a wall is something that is about protection. It's about kind of, uh, it's kind of quite insular. But a window looks out, a window looks up. Um, And I really felt that God was saying that this is a year of 
bigger vision, of increased vision. That it's not just about kind of looking in and kind of doing church as normal and, and just kind of going through with the motions. But actually, it's having a bigger vision for, for the lost, a bigger vision of God, a bigger vision for, for our lives and for our church. That, that actually, we don't just want to kind of build walls and kind of just carry on doing what we're doing. But actually... God is looking for the church to be a window, a window that looks out, a window that looks up. Um, and then um, kind of this idea of um, the windows of Noah's Ark opening. If you remember that story in the Bible that after the flood, after the time when they were all shut in in the ark, uh, Noah opened the window and, and he sent birds out. And I really felt that this was a time when God was going to release people and that God was going to send people out and there was going to be a release. There was going to be uh, ministries being sent out and new stuff happening. And so don't get too comfy where you are. Don't get too settled where you are because God is opening the windows of the church and it's a time to be released into the things um, that God has got for us. This is not a time to kind of just stay in the ark. It's a time to be sent out into the things that God's got for us. Amen. And then finally, I felt this idea of, of the drips over the windows. It was this idea that the enemy sometimes, he wants to really um, kind of block vision and cloud vision. So we can't really um, see what God's saying or seeing what God's got for us. Um, and God wants to drop the, the drips. He wants those things that have been, have been blinding us and blocking us from really seeing what God wants us to see. God wants to bring those things down so that we can see clearly what his plan is for, for the church, for our lives and for our own families and own ministries. But it's really linked with this idea of prayer and intercession. And wherever I go at the moment, it's like people are talking about prayer and I've had people message me, uh, even in this room over the past week, a, a couple of weeks, saying we really feel a, an urge, a call that we need to pray like never before. And this idea that as the church prays and intercedes that those drapes are going to come down the glory of God is going to shine those windows are going to be opened and those windows are going to increase and may I suggest I'm someone that loves uh, to preach and teach the Bible and love to hear teaching and preaching but maybe for a season it's like uh, the voice of the preacher might be drowned out by the voice of the prayers and that actually we'll really rediscover what it means to be at a place where prayer is really at the heart of, of everything we do. So I don't know about anyone else, but it's time to pray. It's time to seek God. It's time for breakthrough. It's time for God to do something uh, significant in our lives. Amen. So with that in mind, why don't we stand to our feet this morning? And um, I'm going to invite um, the Revival Kids team. Um, to go out this morning but we want to just pray for you for a moment so um, if there is a child near you just stretch your hand towards them God we just pray that you would just bless all our kids this morning we pray uh, that they would have an awesome time of worship an awesome time in your presence God move powerfully among our children in Jesus mighty mighty name Amen do you guys want to go out with Jillian and, and the team That'd be wonderful. And I'm going to ask Ruma to come and lead us in prayer this morning. But why don't we just begin just by uh, praying in tongues right now and just um, come on. We're, we're Pentecostals, right? So come on, let's just 
lift up our, our voices and just begin to pray and seek God right now. I was um, preparing and thinking what God wanted to pray, wanted us to pray about this morning and thinking about what God was laying on my heart. Um, this verse came to mind, um, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now we've, we're in 2023, happy new year, we've gone through 2022 and 2022 for some of us it was great, for some came with some challenges and some came with a lot of pain and grief and anguish and you know I kind of struggled last year with this verse because I went through something a lot of you would know I lost my younger brother in May and it was you know I've read this verse countless times and then then it became so hard you know when you go through something so hard that you can't even pray you can't even you, there's nothing that you can think to give thanks for and you know and I was struggling for days I couldn't pray you know and you know but this verse kept coming to mind in everything give thanks and I'm like Lord I've got nothing you know I'm in so much pain and anguish I have lost someone so dear to me what is there to give thanks for and you know and I kept thinking I was struggling with my faith at this point and I kept thinking and then the Spirit said to me, what alternative have you, do you have? you have? And I thought to myself, what alternative do I have? If I've got, I'm going to leave the presence of God, I'm going to leave, you know, give up my faith. That can't happen, you know. I know who I am and I know what I've lived outside Christ and I've lived in Christ. And I know there's a big difference and I knew what it was. So based on that, I decided I'll, I'll be obedient. Even though I didn't feel like giving thanks, I didn't feel like saying thank you. I just said saying thank you. Sometimes I'll say, Lord, I don't know why I'm saying thank you, but thank you. <laughs> you know, I don't know what, I don't feel like saying thank you, but thank you. And as time went on, as I was saying thank you, I began to realize I was meaning it. It became, I turned to me, I was saying, saying thank you, Lord, for my brother. Thank you for the life he lives. Thank you that I had the privilege to be his sister, that I got to know him. I would rather have known him than not known him. So I thank you, even though it was a short time, I thank you. I thank you for the fact that he was loved. Thank you for the family, you know, thank you for the funeral and how you provided and how, you know, we had so much love and comfort. And thank you that Jesus, you were there in it with comfort, in the pain, you were there. And I remember this scripture while I was going through this, I remember this scripture. I think it was um, John 11, 32 to 35. It says, Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept and I thought about that and I said why would he weep he knew the end from the beginning he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead so he wasn't weeping because he'd lost a friend why did he weep and you know I thought to myself he wept because he saw their pain and he was in the pain with them another scripture um, says 
Hebrews 4.15 it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So we have a high priest who, felt, who has felt the pain that we felt, who has lived the life that was, who has gone through things that we could have ever gone through, and he is in that with us. So this morning, no matter what kind of year you had, last year was kind of bittersweet. God showed a lot of favor and provision, but yet I lost someone so dear to me. No matter what kind of year you had, it was a good year, a bad year, a year full of pain, anguish, sorrow, whatever it was, I want to encourage you. There is power in giving thanks. There is power in giving thanks to the Lord of Lords because he knows the end from the beginning. The Bible says that, you know, that, you know, we who are in Christ Jesus, that all things work together for our good. No matter what it is that you've gone through, no matter what it is that you're going through, whatever it is, for the good, the bad, the ugly, you give thanks to him. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. Because there is power in thanksgiving. So let's just raise up our voices this morning and just give thanks to the King of kings and the Lord of lords for whatever it is. We might still be going through pain. We might still be going through grief. We might still be going through anguish, sorrow. We might be having a great time. We might be going through, we might have provision. We might have favor. We might have increase, whatever it is. Let's just begin to raise our voice and thank Him. Thank you, Jesus, for you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you for the life that my brother lives. Thank you for my family and how you've kept us. In this dark time, your light has shone so brightly in our lives. Thank you for the love of people, the love of family, the love of friends, the comfort that we have in you. Thank you more than anything for being with us in our pain, for being with us even in the time where we felt like we're giving up. But yes, Lord, you lifted us up. You brought us out from the pain and gave us purpose. And your light shone through us. That we thank you. We thank you for your favor, for your increase, for your provision, Lord. We give you glory, Lord, for our families, our friends, our children, our spouses, Lord. We thank you. For those who were sick last year, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your healing over people. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just thank him, thank him, thank him. That is not enough to say thank you for. You cannot say thank you enough. You know, even if you can't remember stuff to say thank you for, just begin to speak in the spirit. Let the Holy Spirit say the thanks that you cannot express by yourself. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done last year. We say thank you. For 2022, we say thank you. Let us also begin to say thank you for this year, for all is done so far, for all is yet to do. Let's begin to just say thank you, prophetically begin to thank him for his goodness, for what's going to come up this year, for the miracles, for the signs, the wonders, the provisions, the healing. Let's just begin to say thank you. 
Lord, we thank you for 2023. We thank you for what you've kept us thus far. But we thank you for what you've done so far. We thank you for what you're yet to do, Lord. We give you thanks for this year. But we thank you for January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Lord, we know that in it you are going to be in it. You are going to be the beginning and the end. You're going to be the stress and the last. But we thank you for your hand. We thank you you're going to go ahead of us. You're going to go before us to prepare the way to make every crooked path straight for us. But we say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, wonderful. Wonderful. Ain't God good? Wonderful. Can you just turn this up a little bit for me? That's it, just to save me. Wonderful. It's because Andrew has got a voice from the depths of heaven. <coughs> Happy New Year, everybody. God is good. The devil's a liar. You're more than a conqueror. Even though you feel like a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror. Turn to the book of Isaiah. Don't worry, we won't do lamentations today. Or Jeremiah, Isaiah. I want to talk about moving from adversity to advancement. Who's had enough of adversity? Well, you might have more to come. So we've got to at least work out what to do with it, right? Have you noticed that God never promises you a, um, you know, tiptoe through the daisies kind of life? Thank you. James was the only grunt of a slight amen in that one, but it's the reality. Isaiah 30, and uh, let me read this verse that will cheer you all up. You're going to love this. But listen, so we're going to start with um oh they're having fun next door that's good we're, we're going to start with a difficult verse but there's a promise in the verse that we're going to find okay so i want to show you what to do with adversity and affliction all right isaiah 30 and this is how god works and operates in life and if any preacher tells you any different then they're a mickey mouse Thin for Micah preacher. I want to give you the real thing this morning. Is that okay? Right? Isaiah 30, verse 20. And it says this And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, I'm going to stop there. That's a good start, isn't it? God gives us so bread and water the very basic staples of life it's a prison diet you won't be healthy but you'll survive bread and water and here's this lovely promise from your father who you love so much and you just sang that you loved and it says that this is part of the nature of God at times he will give you the bread of adversity and the waters of affliction so let's all say it together. Praise God for adversity. Praise that was such a kind of mumble, really, is he making us? Listen, let's remember what we heard from Ruman. We praise God not for all things, but in all things. And there's something very powerful about the subtle difference. You don't praise God for cancer. But in cancer, you can... So, and, and so then I've chosen that because that's 
you know, a big difficult one. Apply that to everything. You don't praise God for your wayward children. You praise God in the midst of it, knowing that your attitude is going to change the circumstance. You're going to shift from adversity to advancement if you and I respond right. And this is the promise that's in this verse. There are things we need to realize and things we need to do. And I hope you're going to leave this place encouraged today. Amen. It's not a tiptoe through a, a meadow of daisies, but you can get your army boots on and march when it gets difficult. Amen. And these are the moments when you've got to be a soldier about it. So here he promises, listen, there's going to be times when God gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. What's adversity? Well, you know, simple dictionary, unpleasant. Anybody had an unpleasant 2022? Anybody's 2023 started unpleasant? Difficult, trouble, hardship. Then we've got affliction, pain, reason to complain. Uh, The word there with the waters of affliction is literally boiling water. In other words, you're in hot, boiling, troublesome water. So here's a scenario. Let, let, Let me go broader for a minute just to put it in context just in case you think that everything that goes on is God, therefore I have to tolerate it. Now, let's remember this little piece, okay? We're in a world where you have an enemy. That's not what this is about. Now, the promise will still count, but I'm not talking about that. You have an enemy. God will never give you cancer because he took it away on the cross. But you have an enemy, and we have a fallen world, and even in its passive brokenness, we face nonsense, right? God is not making the COVID virus hit the back of your throat, but you live in a world where there's viruses. And so it's the shield of faith. It's a right old battle. And let's be honest about the mess of life. There are, there are battles that I know we win and we praise God for, but there are battles that we lose as well. Okay, and there's no other trite way to put it other than I don't think that was God's will. I, I, and, and if you read through the Gospels, you will find the mess of the reality that Jesus was even teaching that, listen, there were, peop- there were times where people's perspective stopped the miracles and the kingdom coming. And it's the same today. We're living with dullness, pain, trauma. Anybody else find the Christian life a struggle? Right? Yeah, I'm the leader. I find it a struggle. So I, I, I guess pretty much most of us are wrestling our way through to something that looks like heaven, but half the time it still looks like hell. Half the room got it. Okay, that's good. Right. Adversity and affliction, it might be the devil who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. It might be the passive brokenness of the world. There's just stuff. And at times it just seems to get worse and worse, right? But then there's this other bit. You've got this other thing that you're working through. And really we need to discern which it is when we're going through stuff in life, right? God gives us the bread... He's going to feed you on adversity. <laughs> Come on, I want a room, room of grown-ups, right? I, you, you don't just believe the, the, you know, prosperity stuff. I believe all that stuff, but I believe this too. He'll feed you on adversity and he'll give you a drink of affliction. Why? Come up here, you're the preacher now. No, I'm only joking, you stay right there. <laughs> But, it's, it's, but it's, that's exactly right. To make you grow, to make you holy, <clears throat> to draw you closer to him, 
Um, in the New Testament, this is kind of how it works. Galatians puts it this way, and it uses this picture. Uh, uh, God won't be mocked. You will reap what you sow. Your sin, now stop thinking nasty little naughty things I do. Just think everything that misses the mark of his perfection is what, is what sin is. It's, just, it's an archer aiming at the bullseye and then goes slightly off. That's what sin is. So everything that is not bang on what God wants for you is a sin. Now the New Testament teaches you will reap what you sow. In other words, one day you will eat from all the missing of the mark. But here's what the good old Testament Jewish philosophers would have said. Here's what God does with your missing of the mark. He takes your sin and he bakes it into bread and he feeds you it to bring you back to himself so that through pain you find the mark again. We don't like it, but pain is a teacher, right? If you keep going into terrible debt and find yourself in a mess, maybe somewhere along the line, you're not learning from the pain that's been brought into your life. I, I, I don't know why it keeps happening. Look at the car on the drive and the stereo system. I can tell you exactly why it's happening. Look at the hair and the clothes and the... Buy from Primani, like, like me, not Armani. In other words, we make dumb decisions, we miss the mark, and we, we are fed the bread of that pain to teach us. Now, here's, here's an important thing, right? Um, when I go through adversity, I spend more time complaining than learning. Does anybody sympathize? <laughs> you just go, just stop it, God. Now, we're, we're well aware of Old Testament adversity and we try to blank it out in the new. You know, Daniel and his lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. What was it? Make your bed, shake your bed to bed you go. Um, you, you, you've got Joseph in his pit. You've got it. You, adversity brings promotion and growth. We've seen it through the Old Testament. But go over to the new for a minute. I mean, absolutely. This is the grace guy, the apostle Paul, right? He was shipwrecked three times. Three times. I mean, one is bad luck. <laughs> Two is I've got to get better at picking what cruise I go on. Three is, God, are you out to get me? Do you ever feel like that? God, are you out to get me? As he's glugging down into the sea for the third time, you would think, come on, God, you could at least organize the cruise schedule a little bit better. He was going through adversity and affliction. And yet he was God's kid, more than a conqueror. Nothing could separate him from the love of God. I wonder if he thought up that verse while bobbing in the ocean for a day and a night. And as he's lying there going, so I have a choice. I'm either complain, I'm going to complain, or I'm going to learn. And here's the thing, and even good psychology will, will tell you this. The way to overcome the trauma of affliction and adversity is to learn what you can from what you've been through. And it helps to soothe and heal the pain of the trauma. If you can make sense of it, and they even recommend if you can make sense of it conversationally, if you can speak about what you've been through and what you can learn from it, even if it's, well, I'm not God, but he is, and I don't understand everything, but I've got to get better at letting go. Maybe sometimes that's all we learn, right? And then up from there, we might actually find a bit of wisdom to implement into life too. But there's something about learning from what we're going through. And here's the promise 
in the Bible. You know, you know that verse? Um, I'm using a King James version, Lord help us. Uh, and I'll, I'll translate as I go along, okay? Verse 21 says, And your ears shall hear a word, a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, whether you turn to the right or to the left. I mean, I should have started with that verse because that, that's what this is all about. In the midst of every affliction, there's a voice that will get you through. And right now, sandwiched between those two verses is the promise. So it begins with, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the waters of affliction, it says, yet shall not your teachers, and some translations put a lovely capital T on that, yet shall not your teacher be removed or hidden from you, but your eyes will see your teacher and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Listen to me, here's the promise. In every affliction, the teacher is present. And you, what are we to do in the midst of buffeting? Life is often a train tracks, one of blessing, one of buffeting, right? It's not usually all bad, but sometimes it feels like it is because negativity speaks so loudly and positivity whispers so quietly. Negativity is American. Positivity is a quiet Englishman. Oh, things aren't so bad. Oh, my Lord! <laughs> so you have to quieten the American with some gaffer tape. And you have to come back and go, right, where is the voice of the teacher in the midst of this adversity and affliction? Where is his voice? Because when we find his voice in those painful parts of life, we begin to navigate through and out. We go through the valley of the shadow of death instead of buying a home and setting up there. We go through it out the other side. And here's the thing. If in the middle of adversity, even the adversity sent by God, in the middle of it, there's a teacher. It means he wants to teach us something. Now, the quicker we start going, God, what are you trying to teach me? I reckon sometimes the quicker it's over, don't you? I don't know about you, sometimes I'm thick and a bit dull and I spend more time complaining than I do learning. So how's about, and this is easier said than done, it's easy with some things, how's about we soften our heart to the teacher? The problem with adversity and affliction is every opportunity to become bitter and hard-hearted and that's the last thing you need to do. One of the great themes of the Old and the New Testament is don't Harden your heart to the voice of God because if you do, you will never enter the place of rest. So it's about somehow using affliction and adversity to get softer, not harder, to get more sensitive to the voice in the storm rather than shaking our fist at heaven going, God, for real, have you got it in for me? As you glug, glug, glug down that third time. Are you for real, God? Come on, you can sort things out. And God's there going, yeah, but I've just baked some of your imperfection into a lovely loaf. And actually, I'm sustaining you on it right now. I'm, I'm going to build a better you out of the pain of your affliction. Why? Because I just want to bring you back to the mark. 
because I have destiny and I have character formation and I want you to grow and I want you to be all that I've called you to be and I'd love you to th- I- I'd love it that you you think you could get all that through a Bible study through a preach on a Sunday morning in a prayer time but actually it's the buffeting of life that brings us to the blessing of fulfillment God's in the buffeting and the adversity amen and so listen in the middle of buffeting we need to find the voice of God I want to play you a little video and it's a video by John Maxwell and it tells a little story of what happened to him through a buffeting experience and what he did about it and I think it kind of goes with everything I've just said in the middle of adversity and affliction Find the voice of the teacher and you will be led through. Don't sulk. Don't stop. Don't harden your heart. Listen for the voice. The teacher's still leading you. Amen? Just watch this and I'll come back. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. And a pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much, but I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it, you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up. And it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going (laughs) to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? (laughs) Now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that. Yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, we don't know nothing. 
Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm gonna get Anchorage emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not gonna obey my voice, you're gonna die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're gonna crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice? Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die, but I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're gonna make it, but listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now I'm gonna line you up. He said, I'm gonna bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head, and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to The Voice.
Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning to knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. Wow, eh? Just think on that for a minute. Whatever the storm, stay with me. Stay with me. You realize quickly, in the storm of adversity and affliction, religion won't do. The kind of shallow end Christianity won't do, pat answers won't do. It is God that you need to stick with and you need to have your own relationship with because the thing that pulls you through is the voice in the storm. Those with just religion are looking for levers to pull and things to do to ease the pain. But those that have cultivated that voice in their own heart know this is the secret. I close my eyes. It's all over the New Testament. I set my eyes on heavenly things. I set my heart on things above. I shut out the storm and I stay with him and I stay with him and I stay with him. And some things you just need to stay with him a few days or a few weeks. But come on, let's get real. There's some areas of buffeting. You stick with him for decades. Really, truly. I mean, I, I pray it wouldn't be true, but some things you just, I'm sticking with the voice. I'm sticking with the voice. I'm sticking with the voice. Let's stand in God's presence and pray a moment. I had more to say, but that'll do. And just in the prayerful quietness of his presence, just open your heart up before him. I think many went through affliction and adversity in 2022, and just buffeting and difficulty. And, and many are even now. We'll start with a soft heart. Come on. Get your heart before God. When the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, 
it isn't the language of a superman that can do anything. It means I can abound or abase. I can do luxury and poverty and remain equally happy. Sometimes that's what God is teaching us. I can have it all my way or I can be sinking on a ship for the third time in a row and still say, nothing can separate me from his love. That's the heart that's learnt the lessons of affliction and adversity. God, we give you our hearts this morning at the start of this year. For good, for bad. <laughs> As Job said, though you slay me, we will bless you, we will praise you. We're yours, God. Through the moments of sacrifice, through the moments of ease, we're yours. And God, we know which we'd prefer, and you know which we'd prefer, but we also know that there's buffeting and stretching and affliction and adversity. And we say, God, we'll still praise you. When there's no feelings in the praise, sometimes they're the greatest praises we ever sing. Devoid of feeling, tears streaming down the cheeks. Part of us, our flesh, wanting to run and find some alternative. But something in our spirit man rises up. As Ruman said earlier, I've got nowhere else to go. What am I going to do? Give up my faith? No. I've got a Bible full of those who through affliction proved God and won. Their faith came through. We've got Hebrews 11, which is essentially half of those heroes never even got the, what they were believing for. But their noses still pointed to heaven when they died. They refused to give up. Stay with me. Stay with the voice in the storm. Stay with me. Stay with me. And we just speak to all those other voices, the voices of our own flesh looking for ease, the voices of our friends looking for us to compromise, the voices of the world around about with all of its alternatives. And I pray, God, that in this room there will be people that know the voice of God. Just the voice of the Heavenly Father. Sometimes that feels little more than a, a hunch, a scripture, a deep down feeling that you've just got to keep going with God and he will see you through. Father God, I pray over these wonderful people here, perseverance, strength, resilience, faith, trust. And the reality is it's a room full of people that you're stretching and growing, and the sound of hammer on anvil in the soul is strong because you're teaching us and growing us into the image of Christ. So God, help us, we pray. Help us. Help us, we pray. Come on, just whisper a prayer to God. I'll stay with you, God. I'll stay with you. I won't be distracted by what's out the window. I'm listening to the voice. Come on. Maybe this is the year you need to start journaling and writing out what you think God's saying to you so that you get through the storm with the voice. The voice of God is your promise to get you through. He's right there. He's not hidden. He's not gone. Let his voice get you through. Everybody said amen. 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 Bless you.